If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Jamie, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 164 of Classic Conversations. As always, I am your host, Jeff Duoskin. Great to have you back for another classic episode, and this one is Extra classic. That's right. My guest today is Loretta Swit, award-winning animal activist, artist, and actress known worldwide for her amazing, iconic role as Major Margaret Houlihan. Hot Lips is here from TV's most honored series in the world, MASH. That's right. My conversation with Loretta Swit is coming up in just a few seconds. And in these few seconds, I want to remind everyone of the awesome interview from last week, Bruce Ferber, episode 162. Bruce Ferber wrote an amazing novel recently called I Buried Paul, his love letter to the Beatles in music about a Beatles tribute band. Bruce Ferber was also the showrunner of Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Home Improvement. So many great stories with Bruce. Don't miss that episode. And right now, without further ado, let's get to Loretta Sweat. We're celebrating 50 years of MASH. We also talk about her appearance on Captain Kangaroo, hanging with the captain himself, her appearance on The Muppet Show, The Muppet Show celebrating 46 years this month. We also talk about Loretta creating the character of Christine Cagney from Cagney and Lacey in the pilot episode of that series. So much more. Get ready to get your mash on. Get ready to learn all about Switheart and the Switheart Animal Alliance. Learn how you can donate and get Loretta's amazing art book. Help prevent cruelty and end animal suffering. So much packed into one episode, huh? Let's get to it. Enjoy. All right. I'm excited to introduce my next guest, two-time Emmy Award winner, actress, author, animal activist, starred as Major Margaret Hotlips Houlihan on the greatest TV show ever, MASH. Welcome to the show, Loretta Sweat. Well, <laughs> I get a boy. I'll take that introduction anytime. That was lovely. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. So happy to have you. We were just talking before the show. Uh, you were having some plane troubles. And I wanted to mention, <laughs> I, you're coming to the Motor City Comic Con. Yes, I am. My plan is to be there. And so after we talk, um, we'll Great, meet. so we can meet. I can have a one-on-one with you, look at you and talk to you. It's always nice to put a face on a voice, you know? I know. I got your face. You just don't have my face. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't got my face. I got my face. (laughs) Oh, I got your face. (laughs) So much to talk about. You go first. It's your nickel. (laughs) You know, as they used to say, when phone calls were a nickel. (laughs) Exciting enough. You'd think like MASH, that'd be like, and I was, that's where all my focus was. Then I'm like, oh, Captain Kangaroo, you were on. I certainly was. Yes, I was on Captain Kangaroo. I sang Scarlet Ribbons. You remember that song? No, I'm not familiar with that song, but I I know you have a lovely voice. 
I think it was um, probably Harry Belafonte, but it was a lovely tune. Also, what else did I sing? Oh, Ugly Duckling. <laughs> you, you've got to know that where uh, uh, when uh, you sing it, you quack, you quack, you know, like a duck. It was, I loved doing the show. It was wonderful. And eventually I got to do the Muppet show. So I loved that kind of thing, that kind of entertainment. I wanted to get to the Muppet show. So don't think I uh, wasn't fully prepared to go Muppet show on you. But like, so did you get to know Mr. Green Jeans? That was my big question. Did you know the captain? <laughs> of course. Oh, please. Man, I certainly did. What a lovely man. Oh, what a lovely man. It was those kinds of shows, those intelligent uh, young people shows are wonderful. They're challenging. They're creative. I love it. I love it too. It's uh, everyone has one of those shows from their childhood, and I loved growing up on Captain Kangaroo. Uh huh. So yeah. the other thing, which you just you kind of you got you got a little bit ahead of me, which is great. So <laughs> you're lead right into yeah, it. Yeah. The Muppet Show. You're on the Muppet Show, and you sang on the Muppet Show. That you were on Mash at the time. You went on the Muppet Show, and you sang. Yes. Um, the earth moves on. I feel the earth move. I feel the earth move under my feet. The Carol King show. Yes, Carol King. And it was so great. Did you love kind of going on the Muppet show? Because you got to like, that's a whole different side of your, you know, from the, the Hot Lips character, right? You got the show that you can sing. I mean, people who maybe have seen you in plays and stuff, but from MASH, this was a great opportunity to kind of. There were also a lot of television movies that were quite uh, a world apart from Margaret Houlihan. She was a spectacular character. And, and all of those characters on MASH, I think they're always going to be the one character that we're all remembered for because it was so, so special. And like you were saying, MASH was the greatest show. I'm not supposed to say that because I was in it, but I think I agree with you. I think it had everything. And more and more, I'm finding out from fans that it held families together. They watched MASH together. We used to call ourselves the world's greatest babysitters. But it was okay for kids to watch MASH. We were a learning process. We weren't offensive. We didn't, you, you know what I'm saying. And it was good for kids to tell me as adults to say, I grew up watching your show i've had <laughs> i've had people from foreign countries tell me with with thick accents i learned english from you <laughs> from from watching you that must be a hoot well it's wonderful it's wonderful i think that what has happened is we're on the air this year 50 years and what has happened is this incredible mash global family has developed because those characters are so real to the public. They're so real to the audience that they feel connected like a family. I have had a lot of letters to that effect. There was one that was that I kept for a while. It was so moving. She uh, was the uh, product of a, a bad divorce and her mother had to work two jobs. She didn't have quality time with mom. And she said, I started looking at you like my big sister. I grew up with you and you were my big sister. And the capper to that story, she became a nurse, happily married, and she's still talking about those days. That has to make me feel incredible. What a gift that MASH was to people. That must be so heartwarming when you hear that and all these fans come up to you, because I know you get swamped to like the Comic-Cons yes. and fan shows that you do. And mm -hmm. it's 
you must have like a million of these stories that just people just connected and, and resonate, 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 resonate. <laughs> I love that you're doing that better you than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun when simple words can't come out of your mouth. <laughs> that depends. If you're on camera, you're an actor. It's not fun. <laughs> Uh, you can do that. I love radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because um, I eat Tony Paco's because of Jamie Farr and his, you know. He oh, always... see, Jamie put Toledo on the map of our nations. I mean, he, well, first of all, he's so special. He's such a great guy. And he is so unforgettable and memorable as Max Klinger. And he's adored. He has a following i mean people just adore him yeah he's he's hilarious i i love i love jamie Farr. it was when i was i talked to ed asner a few months before he passed away and ed and jamie Farr were planning on doing a play yeah they were going on tour with an absolutely wonderful play who in the world could even contemplate taking ed asner's place he was one in a million i knew him loved him worked with him adored him and jamie is i think not gonna do it either without ed so maybe they'll they'll get two distinctly different actors from those people and make it work it's a lovely play oh i can imagine that seeing the two of them together would have been that would have been pretty cool ed was my franklin roosevelt so i uh I had that pleasure, and he was just. We went to the wedding. Our director got married. We went to the wedding. And we were we were really good friends. And I knew Ed played the curmudgeon because he thought people expected it of him. You know that cranky boss. I don't like your spunk. Or right. he played that. He had fun with it. But to his close friends, I have to tell you, he was the tenderest. I always say juicy. He was just so. Tender and lovable and soft, like nothing <laughs> any of the characters he chose to play. And also as a person, his humor, he kept it in that cachet. You know, it, I, I'll always miss him. I'll always miss him. It was a, it was a big, big loss. Yeah, it was an honor to be able to, to talk to him. And Oh, yeah. And fun. I bet you had a lot of fun. I did have a lot. Of, I had a, a really good time talking with him. And it's, it's always fun, too, because like, you know, for my kids. And he's like, and I'm like, well, you know, my kids know and love you completely differently than I do. So it's always interesting when, you know, you, like, you know, from up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, let's talk about, I, I have an idea. Let's talk more about Loretta Swit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I thought we were. Okay. <laughs> I thought that's what we were doing. Okay. Go ahead. You go. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go down too much of an Ed memory lane. So many questions for you and my time is yeah. limited. So yeah. I want to be respectful. So, <laughs> okay. and I want to, I want to fill in as many stories as I can. Cause I also wanted to hear what it was like hanging with Kermit and Miss Piggy. <laughs> oh God. It was just, you know, when I was going to, um, point out when you were saying you were still in MASH when you uh, flew there to uh, do that show, to do um, Muppets. They put Miss Piggy in a fatigue outfit, her little, <laughs> you know, little uh, dog tags and everything. They set up this wonderful, funny rivalry that she wanted to do my part and I wanted to do, I wanted to do hers. <laughs> it's just, it was a lark, I tell you. It was absolutely wonderful and god those creative people jim henson and frank oz and oh it's like taking a master class and 
going and having fun and doing it. It's a job, but it's no, if you're growing and learning. You can't help it. They're so brilliant. Oh, yeah. It was it was a funny episode. I never take I never try and miss, miss? an opportunity to <laughs> rewatch an episode of The Muppet Show. So it was hilarious. You were in Pigs in Space. Yes. Taking over Miss Piggy, right? <laughs> Pigs in space, <laughs> whatever. Oh God, laugh of my laugh. But I think it's awesome because then at the end you got to sing with them. I think that's just that to me is. <laughs> that was awesome. Yes. Oh God. Side by side, we sang side by side. Oh, they were so lovely. In fact, I'll tell you how lovely they were. They gave me one of my darling little puppies at the time was uh, overwhelmed by uh, a herd of puppies and uh, they were Pekingese. And I had seen this beautiful little puppy in London. At the time, it was not so easy to just scoop her up and, you know, get papers and bring her to the States or whatever. Anyhow, they arrived at my doorstep in Los Angeles holding my little, and of course I called her Muppet. They were just the sweetest, dearest people that is lovely to hear. That is that's oh, really yeah. cool. I just want to take a quick break. Thank everyone for their support of the show. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Classic Conversations. And that's how we keep the lights on. And now back to my amazing conversation with Loretta Sweat. We're about to talk about her creating the role of Christine Cagney. And we're back. All right. I got one, uh, one more Moving right along, okay. <laughs> so I just had Sharon Glass on the podcast. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. You were the very first Cagney. That's right. I, when I was doing my research for the other interview, I was like, oh my goodness, Loretta Swit was the original in the pilot? Incredible. That's right. And then uh, this lovely gal replaced me. I think her name was Meg. Meg. Meg Foster. Yeah. Meg Foster. It would have been... For me, I saw it as insanity to leave MASH. It's more than a show. They're my family. These are my family. And more and more as the years went on, I am alone. It was a small family to begin with. When my mom and dad left, I had a brother. When he passed, I really felt very um, alone. What happens is you have no frame of reference anymore. You can't call your brother and say, do you remember that delicatessen we used to go to when we blah, 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 blah. And he's not there to say, yeah, the name was blah, blah. And yeah, I remember sis. Then we went, there's no past that you are able to hang on to except for your own memory, but you can't, you can't get confirmation. So MASH really has always been my family. I I loved doing Christine Cagney. I loved creating that character. And my brother, in fact, called, he said, the audience just loves you in uniform, you know. (laughs) uh, And then when my manager was exploring the, uh, the opportunity to see whether I would do it, Fox and CBS wouldn't let me out of my contract anyway. So it was moot. (laughs) Why wouldn't they let you out of your contract? But they let, they seem to let other people out of their MASH contracts. No, they didn't. Well, didn't Wayne leave? And Wayne didn't have a contract when he left. People don't know that's trivia. He didn't, he hadn't signed on for the next year. McLean Stevenson? Yeah, Mac. Well, I understood why Mac left and how he convinced them to let him leave. And then, of course, they did that wonderful episode, which 
was so educational, I thought, for people who watch war movies where the hero never dies and the star never died. You know, here we have this very beloved character who dies. And um, the volume of mail was overwhelming. The producers, Gene and Larry, told us they were overwhelmed with the response. Uh, How dare you? Why did you do that to our favorite guy? And so forth. And actually, uh, we're able to take the opportunity to say, take your rage out on the people who cause wars, start wars, uh, fight wars. We didn't do it. We didn't kill Mac. Mac died because of the war. But the war killed Mac. Or, you know, So it had a very good foundation to use. And I think they took advantage of that. Mac went to them. He said, Mac and I were very close. And he told me that he really... He said, I don't think I'll ever be in a show this good again. I'm sure I won't. I said, then why are you leaving, Mac? He said, I really want to be number one of the shows. He had done quite a few pilots. I said, but you are, you know, regardless of your billing, you are. Out of the gate, Mac won the Golden Globe. How do I know that or remember it? He asked me to go to the Golden Globes and get the award for him. And I was able to tell everybody that they made a great choice and he deserved it. He was great and so forth. But he said, no, I I really want to be number one and have people react to me instead of my reacting to them. You know, and anyway, I guess he really, after three years, had his mind made up to keep on going and try to get his own, in quote, his own show. I don't know. I always felt that MASH belonged to the camaraderie, the cast. It was MASH. It wasn't somebody's show. I think people responded to the group, to the to the cast, loved us all. And I think as much as they loved Mac, Harry came in and took it over. I mean, everybody loved Harry. So I don't know. Um, he went into the guys and said, I, I really feel I, I won't be as good anymore if I don't leave. I want to uh, go out kind of quote on my own. I'm not saying they were happy about it. I guess he convinced them that that's what he wanted to do. And I don't honestly know how long his contract was. They signed me for seven years. I remember that because I I lost my breath. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do for lunch tomorrow. And you want me to promise you to be here for seven years. Jeez, Louise. And who knew that wouldn't even be enough years? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Who knew it would run three times longer than the actual war? Yeah. Did Wayne Rogers leave for a similar reason? Like he just wanted... No, Wayne went into another show immediately. He uh, took over what was another medical show, but he was the doctor, he was the star, and uh, and he was great. House Calls? Yes, thanks, yes. That was it, sir. Which coincidentally was the show then that Sharon Glass went on, and then that got canceled, and that allowed her to become Christine Cagney. Well, no, she didn't go. No, no, I know. I mean, like once that show got canceled and then they didn't want Meg Foster anymore. Meg Foster was already doing mine. But but also, I guess her husband was the producer and uh, it was a perfect marriage for them. No. So I can't say I ever watched a full episode at any time. And this is some trivia for you. I have never seen the movie MASH. Is that amazing? Well, I have some trivia for you. I've never seen it either. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, yeah, coming from me to say I know, that. I know, okay. doesn't matter that you didn't. I missed the hullabaloo casting. Uh, they saw, I was told they, they were, I don't know whether they saw them or contemplated 200 women. I know people were actually going in for meets. 
I was in Hawaii doing a Hawaii Five-0. When I came back, my then agent, lovely man, Fred Amzel, said, I'm sending you for a, uh, a meet, a meet cute. I'm sending you to um, uh-huh. greet and meet Larry Gelbart, which put me into a state, and Gene Reynolds. And uh, they're going to do, uh, by the way, he said, have you seen MASH, the movie? I said, no. Oh, great. He said, well, anyway, <laughs> they're going to do a series based on it. He said, but you know, it doesn't matter because they don't have a script. You're not reading for it. There's, there's nothing like that. They want to meet with you. And of course, subsequently, I did find out that CBS thought I was perfect for the role. I had done a lot of, most of my work on TV was for CBS, as it happens. I mean, it wasn't guided or personal, or I mean, that's how it happened. And I had done also for CBS, but at at Fox, at 20th Century Fox, I had done the um, premiere show of Glenn Ford's series. It it was very well reviewed. I did it with Darren McGavin, wonderful actor, and we uh, got the notice and so forth. And so Fox also should be great as uh, Margaret Houlihan or whatever. So kind of the votes were supporting me. But but actually what happened, I had an offer for a movie and Gene and Larry had dibs on me. They had met with me and so forth. And they were, I guess, in the in the process of reviewing who do, who do we think we want. And my uh, agent called them and said, we've had an offer for a movie with Olivia de Havilland, which also put me into a skin. I thought, this is a no-lose situation. They, some of the dates of the shoot conflicted with the pilot. And so just out of courtesy, he said, we're probably going to take the movie because you know, who wouldn't? And Gene said, we were just going to call you. We have decided to go with Miss Switch. So that how that Excellent. whole thing evolved, isn't that? Is that a story or what? Is that good? That's an amazing story. So so yeah. once you had it, you didn't really have to see it, and then you didn't let. Well, that yeah, you took my words. People say, "Well, then didn't you?" No, why? <laughs> Who cared? <laughs> Actually, Gene and Larry made kind of a point of saying that it was not like the movie. It was closer to the book in that, to begin with, it was episodic. They saw, I think, it differently from the movie, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Still, I don't know. And yes, you're right. I had. Why would I watch it then? Right, because all it could do is I, remove no, yourself waited, completely I, from Sally Kellerman's version of. I Bottles, waited right? from. Well, I wouldn't be influenced in it, but I, I, there was no point in seeing it. Down the line, for years, we're told. I was told no resemblance, uh, actually, to many of the characters except for Gary Berghoff who was the original Gary Berghoff. <laughs> right. He was in both. I guess they really, it was a departure. I had a question about when McLean, Stephen, when Mac left the show, It when they announced he's shot down over the sea of Japan, they always say that the cast, they revealed his fate to you guys in a, in a particular way. Yeah, true. No, no, that's, it's not uh, urban. <laughs> it's not urban legend or whatever they say. No, no, they uh, didn't want us moping around for a week. They, they told us later, this is why they decided to go off and give Gary. Gary didn't know. He, he read it first time on camera. There we were in the OR, crying and hurting. And, and it wasn't that we wouldn't have done that. You know, we're actors. But they said to precede that, to hurt all week, knowing you were going to lose, lose him in that way. Basically, it killed any chance that he would come back. He would re-enlist or he, I, you know what I mean? It just, it was such a um, purposeful end. We're not right. only lost 
the character, we lost our Mac, you know, that's what I think. So so they, they said rather than have everybody in pain for a week or 10 days, whatever it was, they decided to uh, be kind and do it that way. It was fine. It worked. I mean, you saw our pain. That is a true story of what happened. One of a million stories. I did. I where did I read or did I see Prince Charles visited the set once? Oh, yes, absolutely. We had really what a collection of famous, wonderful people. Yes, I was. Re- I was rewatching the pilot and Bruno Kirby was in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful guest stars. Yeah, we had so many wonderful people. Uh, my friend Mike Henry was able to come in and pick up where Bees and Carol left off. He was not available. He played Donald Penobscot and uh, available when the Donald came back into my life for a moment. And I said, oh, please, let's try to get a hold of Tarzan, you know, my friend who played football. And I mean, he was perfect for what Margaret would fall for, you know. So Mike came in and he was wonderful. He was funny and it was so great to work with him again. We had done stage play together and anyhow, so there was that. Marsha Rod played my girlfriend from nursing school. When they they brought in your your friend from nursing school, that was to kind of bring a little bit of more of your fun past uh, into the character. Actually, it, no, it was very specific. I was standing there with one of the producers or writers, and I said, I just wish we could exploit a little more of her her humor. That, I, her, that she, you know, she's funny because she's reacting, and she's reacting in a funny way, or she's reading a line in a funny way. You know, <laughs> you get Larry Gelbart to write you a line. <laughs> You're me, you know. Uh, I said, I wish we could show that she can make a joke, too. You know, she was. And they disappeared. Of course, they ran off and immediately wrote that episode so that we saw through her girlfriend from nursing school, her girlfriend's eyes, that she had changed. Why wasn't she fun anymore? She used to make jokes. She used to play pranks. And, you know, and and the girl and Marsha said that she missed that. Where's my Margaret? Where did you go? And I explain that I wake up in Korea in charge of 25 nurses. I thought I couldn't do that. I had to be tough. I had to give orders and I was in charge and so forth. So that we had this this insight into Margaret and you could watch her with a, a new insight. And it just continue to allow me to grow in the character, you know, grow the character. And uh, so that was, that was our writers. Oh, please. Our writers were just, I worshiped our writers, but there were so many lovely, wonderful. Patrick Swayze was a star. Blythe Danner was a guest star. I'm now blocking everything because I'm trying to remember, but, but we had just elegant people coming in and out and, and they all had so much fun. They would come back and visit, sit around us, you know, while we were shooting. It really was such a joyous experience. One year, Alan bought us t-shirts that everybody, the crew, everybody, and the, the t-shirt said the happiest crew in town. And indeed, I think we must have had to be because I remember uh, Jamie and Harry, too. They would get there really early because we actually couldn't wait to see each other and get to work. And it was a joyous experience, really a blessing. I think that comes across. I think anytime you have an ensemble like that, you can tell when the cast is gelling. I just listened to you and you and Mike and on Alan Alda's um, podcast, uh, Jamie and Gary, like there were, all of you were... Yeah. Uh, I don't know when you when you did, but just the the banter and listening to all of you talk was just like listening to any group of old friends. You were no, you were listening to family. You could just tell how much you loved all each other. You have to understand, we each other 
all the time. We It wasn't just work time. Harry and his wife, Eileen, we used to meet on the weekends. We would either have lunch or they'd come over to my house and I'd cook. Same thing with everybody. I spent my holidays with Jamie and his brood and I'd bring my mother. Jamie was my mother's favorite. Absolutely. And I'd say to her, Mom, when you say that, you need to say, uh, you know, next to my daughter. And she'd say, no, he's my favorite. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much, Mother. You know? But uh, Jamie, I think, was everybody's favorite. We were such a team. You really have that kind of extraordinary experience. You know, there are people who will say, oh, well, you know, you work together for a long time. You get to. No, no, no. It doesn't always work that way. And I don't tell tales, but I know for certain of instances where it's worked, it didn't work that way at all. Every relationship went south and it was not a happy experience, but it was a work experience and it worked. They worked, you know, but it doesn't always happen in this miraculous kind of way. I can tell you where Gary is, what he's doing, where he's going, what he's done, or, you know, or Mike. If I don't talk to Mike today, I'll get a lot of email from him and or I'll send him email. Or Jamie, we talk very frequently on the phone because we have started to do some of these autograph shows together, which has been a joy because we get time to spend together, quality time. We sit down after the show and we have dinner and we laugh. And I uh, recently, he had a birthday party and I gave him a little birthday lunch at his favorite Lebanese restaurant. And it was the gang. It really is difficult to explain. We always used to say, when we were talking about ourselves, we'd say, you had to be there. <laughs> you had to be there. And would add, and we were, we all were there. And we kind of still are, you know, we're still there. Sorry to interrupt this amazing conversation with Loretta Swit, but we got to take a quick break and we're back. And let's get right back into the conversation. I love that it, it's such a tight-knit group. And I, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I'm really looking forward to meeting you and Jamie at the Motor City Comic Con. Yeah, wear your seatbelt. It's going be fun. <laughs> 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 be sure you tighten your seatbelt. <laughs> no, I, we, are, we have worked together instances where it's just the two of us bantering and stuff. And we, we don't have it down to a script or anything, but we know each other so well. And it just comes out funny and it's delightful. And we love doing it. We love Right. No, absolutely. I, I, I could tell when I was listening to Alan Alda's podcast, uh, when I was listening, just uh, <laughs> he's a hoot. He's a, he must be so funny to uh, to be around. But all of them, it's just I'm sure you have awesome stories on all of them. Your character, you and Alan Alda, you're the two the two that were there from. We were in the pilot, in the pilot and in the finale. There we were. Yep. Except Jamie was very close. He slid right in because he was hired for one day and he stayed for 11 seasons. He was on the very following season as a kind of recurring character. But by year three, I think, he was in the cast and he was in the front credits. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right, like, right, okay. right, right, right. Yeah. So kind of feel the three of us were. But technically, no, Alan and I were the, the two in the pilot and the two who said goodbye, farewell, and amen. Alan and I never stopped appreciating the wonder of it. The kind of lucky to be us, very lucky to be us. To this day, it's probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, end episodes to a... Mm -hmm 
television series ever. And on top of being the most watched, I think still of all time. Yes. That's probably never going to change, you know, because the whole uh, spectrum has changed. You don't even have those little Nielsen recorders or whatever it was to monitor any of that. We'll always champion spot because... Right. Also, because now there's 500 channels. Nobody's... Uh, Yeah. Look at that. So how could you possibly or whatever? I read about stuff that I haven't seen yet. And it's been on, like, I'll see, in its third third season. How come I don't know this? I mean, there are just, there's a wealth of product out there. And I'm so thrilled about that because actors deserve to work. So the more product we produce, the more work there is. And it just supports the arts. It keeps us going. Oh, absolutely. I did read that Father Mulcahy would have been, but there, somebody else played him in the first. William Christopher didn't play him in the pilot. That's correct. So, yeah, that's correct. And then I also read just that, excuse me for digging into all this random stuff. <laughs> Gary actually was in the finale, but technically only because they reused some older footage. Yeah. A real, real technical. Uh-huh. And then yeah. that you kissed Hawkeye for 38 seconds. That's <laughs> this, the longest kiss known to man <laughs> and woman <laughs> on celluloid tv celluloid and how many takes did you have to take <laughs> you silly <laughs> <laughs> you're silly that's a alan's like we better do it again we, we should probably do this again that's a really that's a funny funny question and i'm gonna tell everybody that <laughs> how many takes indeed listen <laughs> we couldn't keep holding our breath that long <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, it was so funny. But, you know, these guys, they're like my brothers, you know, to play kissing scenes or something like that. It's like, that's acting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> In that case, you know, where those two characters who had been antagonists and belted and discovered other qualities. And there was always a kind of love. There was a respect. Always. She admired his skill, you know, as a surgeon. There were so many things that were the undercurrent of their relationship that made it perfectly natural to explode in the longest kiss known to man. <laughs> that was where they were going. And that's, I think, another thing that was so great about MASH. You would be surprised, but it was a natural evolution for those people, those characters. And that, in large part, is due to the writing. Because those guys would go to their office <laughs> and they would say, what if so-and-so and so-and-so, these two unlikely pair, two un- unlikely characters, what if they were lost behind enemy lines? Or in our case, so Jamie and I, we did a, uh, an episode called Birthday Girls. And it's my birthday and he's supposed to drive me to Kimpo to catch a plane to Tokyo where I'm going to have celebration with the brass that appreciates me and these guys. And I, I don't want the guys at the 4077 to even know it's my birthday because they're just going to you know, make a mockery of my majority. <laughs> so we get stranded. And I confess to him that it's not where I wanted to be on my birthday as I didn't know it was your birthday. Day and blah, blah. And I don't know if you've seen the episode. It's beautiful. It's touching. And suddenly you see Max at his tender best. You see him care about a major who does nothing but scream at him and bend him around. And you see her melt when he gives her a cupcake with a candle. And so that comes from the writers. They give us the skeleton. They give us the outline. 
and we flesh it out. And but we and we gotta have the words. We gotta have the writers. You can't do Shakespeare without Willie. So it was just amazing. I and the Writers Guild of America voted it one of the best written TV series of all times. And then you won two Emmys. I did. So cool. I was nominated every year. Ten times, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also Tom Bosley, was he was uh, on the, the voting team or whatever one year, and he came to me and he said, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but you've lost by one vote. I was so angry. <laughs> he was so cute. That thank you for telling me. That's so nice. It was actually being nominated so many times was like a big deal. It was really a big deal to me. I thought that was so appreciative of how hard hard we work to be good to be as excellent as we can be so now what else what else is on your mind let me say you also won the betty white award mm-hmm. for actors and others with for animals yeah. and let's use that as a segue to Sweetheart mm-hmm. and your animal activist because you've been doing amazing things well you know thank you i do my best we all do people who care about sentient beings about cruelty about ending cruelty ending things like puppy mills and stuff there's so many things in crisis today very often you find uh, caring for animals at the bottom of the ladder you know so we have to um, band together and keep us keep our stature keep our place in caring for these animals and speak for them because they can't. So, but I I love uh, what the um, charity Sweetheart has been able to do. You probably know that I have that art book out, the second printing of my art book, and it's all about animals, mostly about animals. And most of the paintings are of animals and all the proceeds from the sale of that book go into my charity. And it gives me a great sense of satisfaction, kind of like coming full circle with my artwork, which I love. And with of my animals, whom I love, and doing good with the charity, which I know is a goal. So it's very fulfilling and and enriching. I'm really happy about that. We now have a perfume called Sweetheart. We now have a really fully operative website that is now going to be carrying everything heart-oriented. I have uh, these necklaces now uh, with the heart of Topaz, which is my birthstone, which is my influence on the jewelry. But they're all different. There's a ruby topaz, diamond topaz, amethyst, and emerald. Given their popularity, we may extend to the rest of the birthstones, you know, the garnet and aquamarine, etc. and so forth. So it keeps me busy. We have different projects. You know, the entire name is Sweetheart Animal Alliance. I got to say, the Sweetheart Animal Alliance, it's so moving that you spend so much of your time and your star power to help prevent cruelty and end animal suffering. I'm going to make it real easy for everyone. I'll put links in the show notes so they can go purchase from the Sweetheart Shop. They can make a donation directly. They can check out your amazing art book. Make it as easy as possible for people to support you and the Swit Heart Animal Alliance. Oh, you know what? One more. I, you know, I found this while I was while I was diving into your books. I also found a needlepoint book that you made. I wanted to talk to you about needlepointing because my mom was an avid needlepoint. Oh, and I, really? Oh. And when she passed away, I inherited most of it. And. And like, like really, really detailed beadwork, like yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing stuff. Beautiful. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to show you. Wow. Uh, when, 
that's a long time ago. And yeah. I didn't sit down to do that. Doubleday approached me and said, we read a story that you did and so forth. And we were wondering if you would be willing to. And that's how that came about. It was a pretty book. It was called uh, A Needlepoint Scrapbook. And it had some designs, diagrams and so forth for the uh, for the purists. <laughs> but um, mostly each uh, design had a little story to it to, uh, you know, like, for example, there was one that was Alan's favorite, Alan Olda. And it was his favorite. And uh, he, I always kid him about it. He would say, I love that pillow. You know, when he would like, be at my house or something. And I'd say, you know, Alan, you are so consistent. Every time you come to the house and you see that pillow, you say, I love that pillow. <laughs> he said, maybe it's just an echo. But the thing is, uh, there were little little vignettes, little stories kind of attached to each thing. Richard Mulligan was my very, very close friend and I did pillow for him. And so, so there were like little stories attached to uh, so it was kind of an interesting read and uh, had some good designs if you also were into it for that. I was thinking the, if Doubleday would like to do, um, uh, they must have some leftover. Some, we, we then went to a uh, soft cover. And if there were any in storage, I could put them out at the uh, Comic-Con. Or, so I, I always think the more you can offer your people, the better. Oh, yeah. uh, Jamie has a book. So far, so good. Clever title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so what next? You must be exhausted. What, don't you know everything about me? Do you care to? <laughs> I know a lot about you now. The, um, I just was, you know, Needlepoint doesn't come up that often. Yeah, so it yeah. was like one uh -huh. of those things I wanted to kind of, actually painted canvases as a side job once. Anywho, uh, <laughs> so that was exciting. So, all right, so we talked. All right, so I, I do have one other thing we can go into. So I think this was this was early, early. You were in the odd couple. Oh my God! Yes. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. If you want to go back that far, well, you did, Captain Kangaroo. Yeah, I did several versions of wonderful people. My two odd people. Oh my God, E.G. Marshall. Well, in California, Don Rickles and Ernie Borgnine. I mean, there was never an odder couple, and they were so brilliant. It was, yeah, I did the odd couple a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm always fascinated. I love the love boat as well. Oh, yes. Doc Isaac and Gopher on the show. Oh, yes. So I saw that you've made four trips, at least four yes, trips. Yes, but the, the one they wrote for me because of my ethnicity, my background, Polish, close enough to Russian, they wrote a kind of Ninochka love story. Bernie Capel, <laughs> I I've known forever and we work so well together. Uh, Bernie Doc on Love Boat falls mm -hmm. in love with this Ninochka character who, like the movie, is stern and Russian and comes in, you know, hair pulled back and, you know, and he gets her to melt and enjoy life a little bit. But it was lovely. It was uh, lovely. Bernie wrote me this sweet note when we finished and it ended with, to do this again and again would not be a harsh thing. <laughs> I loved it. I loved that character because I was able to say things like, uh, he wanted me to marry him and stay in the U.S. And I say to him at the end, you uh, love this country very much, don't you? And he says, yes, very much. And I say, I say, I too love my country very much. And it gave the audience an opportunity to realize that while we offer citizenship like this incredible gift, stop, mommy's giving an interview. While we, we think it's like such a gift, <laughs> this gal 
this Russian gal with a good job. And she was able to say, yeah, well, I love my country too. And then she's a little bit about walking through the meadows. And, and I love how human they allowed her to be. Actually, that was when, I'm trying to remember, if we did the pilot of the love boat, I believe, Richard Mulligan and I. Uh, Richard and I did the pilot for a love boat. Funny. Oh, God, he had me laughing so. But it was wonderful. He was wonderful to work with. And then I got to work with him again in SOB. The world <laughs> the world goes round. The world goes round. Yeah, you've got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You've done everything. What is it like being an icon? I'll tell you a funny story from Jamie. You know, when I couldn't make the um, the show, I was, I was running around the hotel. When we were running around the uh, airport trying to uh, get to Tennessee, Jamie said, Lorette, you know, I told you, he said everybody would want to talk about me and us and so forth. And he said, it took me a while, he said, to absorb being called an icon. Do you know what they call us in Tennessee? He said, we are living legends. And he's laughing. I mean, he's killing himself. He said, we are living legends. It's wonderful that you can be that much to people because it's you, because you're you're being you and giving of yourself, and they're getting so much out of it. You're both of you, you and the audience, are getting so much from it. That's, I guess, what I want to say. I don't know if that eventually made sense, but I, we love what we do. You know, <laughs> the, the industry is too difficult. If you didn't love what you did, you'd die. You know. No, it made perfect sense. Yeah. It's been awesome hanging with a living legend. Such living, a <laughs> Jamie, Jamie was just overwhelmed. He was so adorable. A living legend. Oh my gosh, you know. So you know him. He's, uh, let's go to Paco's and he loves Toledo. This is a guy who had a million dollar golf tournament for charity. I mean, Jamie is one in a million. He's really extraordinary. Anyhow. Well, you're extraordinary also. Uh, with everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything you're just you saying. All you do to give back. I think it's oh, ex- I think it's extraordinary when people use their star power and icon power and living legend power to do such good things for the world. So You're funny. You know, it's really the only time being a celebrity, let's say. It's the only time it really has a good meaning, a real meaning. That's, you know, if you can use it, platform, if you have a platform to speak up, do good, stand for good and advise well, or you know what I mean? That's when it really, that's where it really means something. Amazing. Everything you earned, every ounce of that Betty White award. Uh, and you've won, a, you've won a million awards. We didn't even cover if everyone wants to dive in. We didn't even scratch the surface. Yeah, that's oh. why we have to do a reunion. <laughs> we will have the first Loretta Jeff reunion. <laughs> we'll do, yeah. we'll do, okay. definitely do we, that. Okay, we need to, you, it's up to you. You got to start working on that, you know, put together a little program and stuff and we'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll put it together. Maybe I'll, you know what, I'll try, I'll try and reach out to the Comic-Con people or tell them to have me lead. I'm sure you're going to do a panel. Uh, right, no, James? not always. We don't always. It, it, it. We'll see. You know, we. it's up to, uh, it depends. It really, it's, there's other things coming in. So we'll see. Right. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah, we'll it out. Figure we'll it out. It. I'm reading what I think is going to be a very good script. 
if it happens. Uh, I really am liking it. So I have to do that for the rest of the day. <laughs> and you you have your project to work on now, the reunion. <laughs> right, right. And if you need me to if you need me to read lines with you, just call me back. Yeah, later. I know you can't. No, no I have to read it. I have no I don't have it. They called and offered and, and they want availability, but before uh, I said, yes, I'm available. But she said, if we say you're available, they're going to want you to do it. You have to make sure you want to do it. So please read it. So that's where I am right now. Got it. Cool. Well, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me. This was so much fun. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> my friend who helps me out, she's really like my right arm uh, on social media. She helps me at the shows. You'll meet her. She says her little nieces say, you don't lose you learn. That's like my mantra, lose, you learn. And that's how you keep going forward. If you keep learning, you know, there's no end to what you can achieve. So off I go <laughs> towards my I can't goal. can't think of a finer way to end it. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. God bless. God bless. Bye. Bye. How amazing was Loretta Swit? I know, right? So cool. So many great stories. Definitely check out the Sweetheart Animal Alliance, her webpage, sweetheart.org. You can order her amazing watercolor book and a whole lot more. Support the Sweetheart Animal Alliance to prevent cruelty and help end animal suffering. Such an easy way to do a little good. All right. Well, with the interview over, it can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for another trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at Hashtag Roundup. Download the free, always free, doesn't cost a penny app from the iTunes App Store or Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at hashtag roundup. Tweet along with us and one day one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. The hashtag for this episode is hashtag animal action movies brought to us by Weekly Humorous, a weekly game on the hashtag roundup app. This is a Hilarious mashup of animals, obviously inspired by Loretta's amazing work with animals, and action movies. Hashtag animal action movies, the ultimate animal action movie pun game in the world. All right, tweet your own hashtag animal action movies. Tweet, tag us at Jeff DeWaskin Show on Twitter. I'll show you some Twitter love. In the meantime, here's some hashtag animal action movies tweets for your inspiration. Fistful of Dolphins, The Herd Locker, mm, Starship Groupers, Apocalypse Cow, The French Bulldog Connection. These are amazing hashtag animal action movies tweets. Let's keep it rolling with last action heron, Jurassic Pork, Rawr, oink oink, The Lizard of Oz, Fly Hard, hashtag animal action movies. You never saw it coming, did you? No cougars for old men. Guardians of the Galapagos. Lord of the Ring-Tailed Lemurs. Mortal Wombat. The Fast and the Furriest. And our final hashtag animal action movies tweets from ducks till dawn. Quack, 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 quack. Whoa, there we go. Those were awesome hashtag animal action movies tweets. I'll retweet it at Jeff Jawaskin Show on the Twitter. Go show those tweets some love, some Twitter love. Well, can you believe it? With the hashtag game over, with the interview over, that can only mean one thing. 
Oh my goodness, episode 164 has come to an end. Cannot believe it, it's flown by. I want to thank my special guest, Loretta Swit, for spending her 50th anniversary of MASH with me. And of course, I want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations.